you know. I could have sworn I brought some water here with me. But we're gonna just go in dry. Oh wow. Wow, you're going in with the with, with the dryness. You can we got time for you to go get water, Johnny. If you want water, we can do water. Nah. I no. <laughs> let's let's I just go. Good. I'm doing I'm doing uh I'm in I'm in dry January mode. Oh nice anyways. Very nice. Um aside aside from just any any time that there's like, you know, a particular opportunity to drink. Uh, right. Like yeah, la- but- last <laughs> Uh, la- last night did the local <laughs> neighborhood uh, dad's night out and uh, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, just kind of coming, coming back to, to know, to life, uh, uh, you know, right now. That's so perfect. About, about a full, full day later. Uh, there's honestly, there's something that I like, there are a few things that I miss about living on the East coast and aside from like seeing family and friends, it has to be the Chinese food instant hangover cure. Just that like, mm-hmm. if you put the worst version of Chinese food, which is like the U.S. version of Chinese food, like yeah. the East Coast U.S. version of Chinese food, if you put that in your body, fresh from a hangover with like nothing but like booze and uh, choked back mm-hmm. vomit uh, on your stomach, it will instantly cure it. It's it's the it's so bad but so good magical yeah i miss it i miss it i i genuinely do uh yeah you guys a, don't have uh out on the out on the west coast you have like the the chinese food pickup joint with the backlit menu that's like oh yellowed and you know yeah for sure we we have that but it's uh it's not it's not like u.s style so it's it feels much more like you would get at like uh whatever like not um oh i i'm misremembering the name but maybe i'm getting it right was like the bamboo chinese kitchen uh which would be next to the cajun cafe in the mall like that oh uh, yeah 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 yep 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 yeah we're talking clifton country mall uh style cajun cajun cafe just yeah just like the worst guaranteed abdominal pain yeah 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 so that's like the level of like backlit like kind of like hole in the wall Chinese food joint out here in LA. But mm-hmm. we mostly have like phenomenal Chinese cuisine, like really, really good Chinese cuisine and like really good Thai food, but it's more like actual real Chinese food and actual mm-hmm. real Thai cuisine uh, and Asian cuisine in general. Cause we're a lot closer to the Asian continent with a ton of people, especially like Korean food. Ooh. God, we got the most Koreans outside of the Korean Peninsula, so we have like the best Korean food for sure. Mm-hmm. Like in LA, it is it is notorious, and I live in Koreatown, so I'm like saturated by it. Uh, it's been nice, but beautiful. Anyways, we're not we're not here to talk about uh, we're not here to talk about that um, about all forms of Asian cuisine. Uh, no, that's not what this is about. Uh, what is, what is what is this about? This is the F1 Files. This is oh, a Formula okay. One podcast hosted oh. by two best friends from childhood who uh, Yeah, 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 they, yeah, that's us. Uh we we're just big old fans of Formula One here in the United States of America. And this is where we catch up once a week and 
on 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 record we we catch up once a week uh about yes. f1 so yeah and there's there's we're, we got we're, we got some things going on in our you know it's, it's a nice chill easy going off season mm-hmm. but there's still a lot happening there's a lot going on <laughs> yeah. um so we've got uh we've got some interesting new silly season developments that we'll oh, yeah. get into um, are around uh, not so much drivers, but key team members. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some info on uh, some qualifying and DRS uh, pilot programs for the upcoming season. I'm actually not really up to speed on that. So you're going to have to break that all down for me. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I think we should be checking in on the ongoing saga of Andretti uh andretti slash cadillac yeah yeah forcing their way into formula one with uh you know it's it's uh not a smooth ride at the moment no uh unlike most cadillacs it is not a smooth ride Uh, that's that's my my joke contribution (laughs) beautiful i love that uh cory where where do you want to start what's uh uh well I'd like to start with like the most, I guess, the least sensational, but I think most uh, hottest topic yeah, of the moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 not that sexy to talk about, but it is an important component here. We've got Williams gaining a new team principal, uh, so this mm-hmm. is like the person who oversees the entire operation of. Formula One, and it is none other than James Vowles from uh, from Mercedes. So mm-hmm. we are losing. Uh, it's a, it's a it's it's an in quotes like losing our chief strategist from right. Mercedes. Uh, but there were a whole bunch of interviews about James Vowles, especially from Toto Wolf. There was like a lot of information gleaned that it turns out that he hasn't been a part of the strategy team, like hands-on involved with strategy for at least one season, maybe even a couple of seasons. So Hmm. going all the way back into like 2020, they have, I believe nine other people on their strategy team. And James was starting to dabble in some of like the young driver development stuff. Like Toto had given him a little bit more responsibility. And this is all off of like the, Hey, once Mercedes gets their eighth title, you know, once they get their eighth driver title with Lewis, that like Toto and Lewis are going to like chuck deuces and be gone. Uh, And that would leave a gaping hole in Mercedes management. So they've been kind of giving James a few more jobs uh, in, in terms of like driver development and just like business end of Mercedes versus strategy. So he technically, I guess for the past six months has had absolutely no input on strategy whatsoever. He's just been involved with debriefs and kind of like breaking down what went wrong, what went right, and some of the decisions within strategies after the race. But he hasn't been trackside. He's been working more uh, with like the Mercedes factory folks. So it's, it's a huge change for Mercedes, but it's only a change in like 
title because there are nine other people who are yeah. involved with strategy at Mercedes. So okay, so everything that you've just said makes me feel a bit better about like yeah. oh no, like Mercedes losing a critical piece of their strategic infrastructure, a like that's of yeah. of not even Mercedes, like of like yeah. Mercedes slash Braun slash Honda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's been around. Wow for decades uh so it is that was like my initial fear too john was like oh my god wait they're at like a kind of a critical moment in like the way that mercedes is going to be approaching races and race strategy we're losing the like chief strategist like the guy who's been like responsible for the eight constructor titles and the seven driver titles that lewis has like and also the man who was intricately involved with Braun GP like we're losing that guy uh and we are but it's not as significant of a loss uh and maybe that's some like coverage from Toto but it doesn't Toto usually doesn't do that he's usually just very like to the point uh about sure uh so so my my buddy uh James was floating to me last night you know mm. the theory that this is this is a hyper calculated 4d chess move that is in play where you know to to basically anticipate there being a point when toto is gone mm-hmm. and the idea is like okay cool go learn how to really be a team principal over at our effectively sister team yeah we'll loan yeah. you out over there mhm They'll warm you up, and then when when it's time, we will be pulling you in back into the big leagues. Yeah, yeah, it's this pretty is like fascinating. Yeah, the the this is bordering on like the uh, the red red string and thumbtack and corkboard <laughs> uh, territory. It's but I think it's not I like in, it. I like I, it. I yeah, like it. I like this, and it's also this is not something that. I think any one of us, including James, is like uh, is like overstepping uh, his boundaries as far as like what's something that's like an interesting rumor. Like this is something that mm-hmm. you can absolutely see. Like as a, as we we're just saying, like Toto's probably going to dip out after the next time Lewis wins a championship, and that's probably going to be in the next four to five years. And because Lewis said he's only really he's got another five years in him, that was what his like. Mm-hmm. Uh, was what he was saying and he's probably signing or in the process of signing a multi-year contract right now probably not a five-year deal but maybe two to three years where he'll stick around and he wants to go out on top once that happens i think lewis will retire i think that toto will probably take uh, an even bigger step into like the business world of mercedes and daimler uh and then i think that james will probably be in the running he'll certainly be in the running for team principal once yeah. toto leaves and yep even if it was a team that wasn't like a junior or a sister team to mercedes that it was like an actual customer team of mercedes power units and gearboxes i think you would probably see them try to get him back no matter what even if he was not to say that he ever would be the team principal at red bull but i think that they would be like hey we just you know too much about how we run this company in order like we do need you to kind of backfill and help us like rebuild after we not lose toto but after toto kind of takes a step back so mm-hmm. i think it's it's not an unreasonable uh uh conspiracy theory but i do think it's still 
borders on like the like well i mean this guy is his own person and he yep is you know further solidifying his uh his name within formula one if he's able to build back a team like williams where everyone else has kind of failed and williams is like the last big pioneer team so it's like hey we do want williams to stick around and Jos Capito didn't necessarily work out as the team principal. And I think that James Valls is someone who's gone through the whole ebb and flow of, like you said, Honda. He, he was involved with Honda when it made its like very ceremonious uh, dismount from F1. Uh, yep. And that didn't burn James out. So like I can mm-hmm. imagine that starting from scratch is a place that he's fairly comfortable being and he's going to be really good at building that team up. Uh, also, hey, apparently golf is going to become a title sponsor at Williams. Yeah. Which is... Yeah, that's that's wild. pretty wild. Yeah. Um, that's not how that's supposed to go. <laughs> um, and, and sorry, they're going to be the title, the title sponsor? It's That's a, that's a big rumor. This is like more string okay. and thumbtacks action because one of their junior drivers... Grainy black and white photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just very out of, out of focus. Maybe like there's some like colored pencil has been like somehow uh, has manipulated... Cir- lots of random things circled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, there's there's a chance there uh, that golf is going to not return as a title sponsor, but show up as a title sponsor with Williams for the first time. And that would be that would be huge if they can get the the might of a title sponsor like golf on Williams side, then like any venture capitalist, any anyone involved with Williams is going to be like, well, golf knows. I mean, golf is golf. Like there's literally a golf livery uh, that people will immediately recognize when they see it and be like, oh, that's go- Oh, yeah, 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 I know that. Uh, well, I mean, that's I mean, that's the thing, right? Like that's that's what I'm most excited <laughs> to hear about is the idea of like, oh, cool. There's going to be a car mm-hmm. rocking a really strong golf livery, which yeah. leads me to take a moment to be like, wait a second. Like, what? Why do I care so much about just these colors and patterns and shapes on a car? But it is, it's very iconic. Yes. It's got a great, tremendous history yeah. behind it. And yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's pretty cool to imagine that we'll have a full on. Because we did, uh, McLaren busted out a mm-hmm. one weekend golf livery the, uh, in 2021. Yeah, uh, it was right? one of their... One of their anniversary races that yeah. uh, I can't remember. Maybe it was like the anniversary of the golf sponsorship or something like that, or like a winning someone who was in the car won the Grand Prix that weekend. I can't remember what what it was, but yeah, seeing that I didn't realize how much I missed seeing that livery um, track and being like, oh, oh, right, this is. Yeah. I I remember seeing this on like TV when I was a kid. Like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I I like this. I like this a lot. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna also just kind of put this into a category of like this is just the the idea of you know and and for golf to get involved like a big part mm-hmm. of it for them would absolutely be like yeah yeah we're gonna get a Formula One car rocking the golf livery yeah. like that's a really big deal like it all feels very emotional to me which is a really interesting thing that. I see that like there's these emotional 
decisions or giant deals that seem like they're mm-hmm. being made, which to me is just, you know, not to get ahead of our, our wrap up discussion, but to yeah. me is, is all signaling this growth in the sport and that there is, and I, and I do think there's something around not just Andretti racing into F1, but all the mm-hmm. other interests that we're hearing about from other teams. I, I really think it's, it's white hot and everybody is in this emotionally driven like state of almost like FOMO, right? Like yeah. everybody's almost like, if we don't get in now, like we won't even be able to get in two years from now. Like we're still at the ground floor yeah. of Formula One's next generation of, of success. Just very fascinating to me. It is. And it's also interesting to to point out what you're saying, like the emotional investment and attachment that we have to it as fans. That's not like a that's not a commodity. That's not like an mm-hmm. actual money making thing for F1 or even necessarily these these sponsors. Like that's more like lateral growth. Like it feels like it's like filling out the sport in a way that. matches the capitalist drive of it of like hey this is an emotional investment and not just like a capital investment like we are involving ourselves so that people like john you and i will have like you know people your your children's age will grow up to our age and see these liveries and be like oh yeah i remember that like that's like Mm -hmm. it that i have never bought anything other than like gasoline from a golf station. Like I have never purchased any golf product, knowingly purchased a golf product with the like nostalgia playing a part of it. But it is something yep. that like, like you said, like love seeing it on TV, love seeing that just had this like goosebumps moment when they announced it and being like, Oh what? They're bringing back the golf livery. Oh, I, I didn't even realize I missed it that much. Right. So mm-hmm. I think that's, that's important. Uh, so you mentioned Andretti. Let's just talk about Andretti. So over the past week, John, what have you seen uh, as a response? Uh, now we, we're doing like the, right. the yin to the yang of the podcast last week. Because last week we were like, oh, yeah, it's like really good for the sport and like really great. And people seem on board. Well, so what have we learned? Uh, all right. So here's the here's the deal. And I think we even touched on this, uh, but I'll just re- mm-hmm. uh, reiterate to be brought into the sport mm-hmm. uh, for a new team to enter the sport, according to the Concord agreement, an agreement that's been made between the FIA and all of the participating teams in the sport. Like an agreement uh, that the, is renewed and rewritten. Like it's not just like this happened. Yes. Recently. This is like. It's, it's re it's renewed every you know uh every so often i think mm-hmm. the last concord agreement was a year and a half ago or, or so. somewhere around there yeah, uh, yeah. It's relatively recent as far as these things go yeah and the the idea is that for a team to enter the sport uh the fia needs to approve mm-hmm. and for andretti that's no problem fia is fully on board fia is like damn near yes, sponsoring this yeah. is awesome this is potentially huge mm-hmm. for the sport great brands two brands the andretti brand just the andretti name mm-hmm. and then having cadillac part of general motors world's second largest automaker huge absolutely yeah. enormous and on top of that you know 
being tied to the American market, which is the market that has the most potential upside to it, is the most untapped market to gain yeah. more fans than than anywhere else in the world. FIA is all in. Mm-hmm. The 10 teams must agree unanimously. All 10. All 10. All 10 teams. If one team was to, you know, uh, make a stink about it they could they could throw away the whole deal Mm -hmm. and the other piece of the puzzle is according to the concord agreement the team say we think that if a team wants to join the sport as a show of their seriousness you know Mm -hmm. to to show that they won't just go bankrupt halfway through the first season and and make everybody look stupid but also to make sure that we stay flush because another team will be coming in to take a little nibble out of the available prize money. Mm. The team joining must pay $200 million that will be distributed amongst the 10 teams. Yeah. It's called a, that, a that, dilution fund. Is and the, a dilution is, fund. Yeah, I think it's yeah. like a courtesy douche transfer that happens like just absolutely insane that you know i mean such a insane amount of money Mm -hmm. to have to basically just like thought it was by everyone's happiness we thought that's it was an insane cory 200 million dollars is an insane amount of money absolutely ridiculous and not only that but but mario andretti the andretti family the whole team they said 200 million we we got it. We will do that. Drop in the bucket. Show up with that. Mm-hmm. No problem. And it's, all right, cool. That's 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 as far as I'm concerned. That's green lights all the way through. Yeah. Not so fast. <laughs> the teams are right now. It is yeah. suggested that all of the teams, except for Renault mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, who was it? Uh, uh, or sorry, it was Alpine and oh, McLaren. Yeah. Um, are Alpine and McLaren are saying, okay, yeah, we think this can sure. work. All, all eight other teams are saying, yeah, no, no way, mm-hmm. no chance. And the rumor that is circulating is that they're saying, well, you know, I mean, like that Concord agreement, that was like a lifetime ago. Like yeah, that, yeah. you know, those financial figures don't hold up. We think mm-hmm. it should be six to seven hundred million dollars just to show up to the dance. That is the cover charge. That is money you do not get back. That is not money that like you get to go and like somehow earn back in any way, shape, or form. That is just seven hundred million dollars, uh, damn near a quarter of a billion dollars, just to sit at the table. Absolutely insane. That is absolutely bold. insane. I think it is. I think it's not just bold. I think it is uh, greedy. I think mm-hmm. it is absurd. I think it is potentially stifling mm-hmm. of some serious forward progress in the sport. Uh, I think you mentioned this last weekend. This kind of behavior is like a throwback to Bernie vibes. Bernie, yeah. Yep. That gatekeeping. That unnecessary keeping, like unnecessary. Yes, it's if there's okay. I'm not a I. I am not completely anti gatekeeping, especially at the most elite level of motorsport. Mm. I think that there absolutely needs to be a mechanism that keeps kind of the riffraff out. The like you were saying, the people who will 
go flat broke and bankrupt halfway through a season. People who will yep. not be able to participate in Grand Prix and then start to accumulate fines because of that, which just further compounds their financial instability. There's a bunch of reasons why there need to be certain amounts of money like kind of guaranteed to the existing teams because they have put in, aside from Ferrari, they have put in way more money than they have gotten back from being a part of mm-hmm. F1. So I do think that there needs to be something like that. I think, again, this is wild to even be able to like consider this a compromise. I think half a billion dollars is reasonable. I think it's reasonable. I think <laughs> a quarter of a billion dollars is a, is a lot of money. Half a billion dollars is like, well, you are getting involved with the most elite motorsport on the planet. So I can see that as like, yeah, they're being greedy, but also, sure. This just, just smacks of greed. Just like, just tell it's them pretty, they need, it's just say a billion dollars. It's pretty dollars. gross. Just say it. Just yeah. say it. Just, I, just say it. Because uh, that's what you're asking for. That's ultimately, yeah, it's gross. So here's my, here's my position. I don't, and, and this is, I'm absolutely um, intoxicated with the idea of mm-hmm. Andretti Cadillac joining the sport. That being potentially a huge point of growth for an American fan base to have this American team that would almost certainly have uh, an American driver, even in their very first season and, and all mm-hmm. of that. Um, I'm because of these factors with it being so good for the sport. I think it is going to make this attempt from the teams to just jam up the process. I think it's going to make it very difficult for those teams. Probably. And I think there's going to be some other factors that are going to come into play. I do think, you know, I mean, obviously already uh, the fans globally are, you know, saying this is absurd that this would this could be hung up like this. I do think there's a degree to which the teams are doing a sort of like, this may also just be a hundred percent posturing hazing ritual for the new guys. Could be, you know? Yeah. Um, But at the end of the day, what's going to straighten it out is not any of these factors or any of these ethical concerns or whatnot. It's going to be money, but, that money doesn't have to be the dilution fund. No, no. And it could be team's own sponsors basically saying, well, hold on. If this team enters the sport, it could bring in a whole bunch of new fans, which are new eyeballs that yeah. would be looking at the new team's car, but also would be seeing our car and yeah. would be seeing our stickers as yeah. well. There is there is that effect that just exists. I mean, I, I don't and know. Beyond what, individual teams, you also have these giant sponsors of F1 in general. You have mm-hmm. uh, Rolex, mm-hmm. you have Heineken, uh, you have Emirates, which I think is actually being replaced this season by another airline. But that's a, uh, you know, those are not those, you know, when you see one logo or one name repeated. 375 times across the barriers and the racing surface and whatnot. That yep. that ain't cheap. Nope. That is a serious financial investment being made by those companies. And like they- I've, I've never owned, again, this is back to that like color palette thing, but I've never mm-hmm. owned a Rolex before. I have no, 
I have no aspirations to ever own a Rolex. That's not something I don't wear watches. So why would I ever wear like a watch that was predominantly for show? I do, however, know exactly what colors are Rolex colors <laughs> because yep. I see them every week uh, and I am exposed to them over and over and over again. So I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah the, the green and yellow. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's Rolex. Like, I just recognize yep. that. So this is exactly what you're talking about, John. Like, who cares? Right. Um, it doesn't matter yeah. what what team you're sponsoring. People will see your sponsorship because they'll be watching yep. the race. So it's you're, you're right. I think advertisers, they will not get political pressure from the sport, but they will start to get that political pressure from. I mean, they'll get it from the sport, too. I think they it'll will. Be, I think it's going to be a full circle of basically like, you know, it's going to be everyone surrounding mm -hmm. them and eventually staging an, inter an intervention, say, you guys get it, get it together. Let yeah. these, let these guys in, or we're going to, you know, we're going to make your lives miserable. Um, what's, no what. uh, uh, I saw Michael Andretti released a brief statement, mm -hmm. um, you know, expressing his disappointment or frustration, but also called out, you know, some potential motive which was that the all of these predominantly european teams would be concerned that a a very american team would then gobble up all the american sponsorships which have been increasing in the sport recently i mean we have google uh coming in uh this past season with mclaren yeah um and several other especially you know technology sector brands that have been getting deeper and deeper into sponsoring formula one. And I think, you know, there's, there's a good argument to be made for, yeah, the teams are worried that they're going to, they're going to get sure. all of those, you know, big sponsor bucks. Sure. Sure. Um, I don't, I don't know how much weight I, I put into that. Um, I think the, the main reason why, what there, there are a couple of reasons. Uh, I think that F1 is not backing this move because F1 is so tied into Ferrari like the like F1 itself is so tied up with Ferrari that they cannot make a move without like not John Elkins direct like blessing but at mm -hmm. least like Ferrari being like yeah this is okay this doesn't make us look bad or make us like appear weak in any way so I think that F1, the fact that F1 has not, if you look on the website, if you look on their social media, like the actual F1 social media, not ESPN F1 or any of these like kind right. of peripherals, there has been no announcement about Andretti Motorsport. There has been yep. zero. Like scrub those feeds. Go ahead. There is no mention of Cadillac, GM, or Andretti Motorsports' intentions of entering the sport. They don't even mention uh, Solomon. They don't even mention the fact that he put out that statement. So it yep. is F1 is like very hard set against that. And I think one of the reasons F1 is so hard set against that is Andretti went on this signature campaign at the Miami Grand Prix, and it was mm -hmm. a very public thing where he walked around the paddock yeah. with like an actual piece of paper that was photographed and zoomed in on. And it's just literally like, Hey, you, you'll, you'll back, you'll back us if we show up. Right. Which is just such a, like, it's a very specific American like mentality of like, yeah. I will, yes. if I just shame you enough, you will, you'll capitulate. You'll, you'll go along yep. with whatever it is, not even compromise. You'll just fully give over. 
And F1 and all the people who run F1 are British and Italian and French and Swedish. Like they, that is like the grossest possible thing as someone who spent Mm -hmm. time in each one of those countries. uh, I haven't spent much time in, uh, uh, in not, not Sweden. Um, in Switzerland, right? That's where Sauber's based out of. Uh, I, I haven't spent any time there, but I have interacted with Northern Europeans just as much as I have interacted with like Southern uh, and like Western and Eastern Europeans, and they do not, they do not appreciate that. Like that is a- yeah. So I, I I think just I mean in this and not just that you know that signature hunt. Mm-hmm. in the paddock, but even just how public and transparent Andretti have been through their whole process, yeah. I think has been rubbing everybody the wrong way. Because yeah, the intent is to say, you know, hey, you know, everybody wants something awesome to happen. Well, if anybody, you know, if there's anybody who's against it, you know, you better tell all the people that are excited about this that you're against exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. It's, and, I mean, it's, it's that, it's what we talked about last week of like, yeah, you know, well, go ask your mom, go ask your dad, go ask, you know, go, go ask my, my partner, go ask anyone so that they can say no. I'll say like, mm-hmm. hmm, I'll like shrug my shoulders and like general, like, sure, I'd be down for this. And then we're going to leave it up to you to say no and for you to be the bad guy or the villain. Yeah. And it just, that doesn't play. It just doesn't play with anyone uh unless mclaren and renault are uh, or mclaren and alpine are the two people who are like well let's hear them out just literally follow the money the reason mclaren is saying that is because colton herita is one of their drivers right now and yep if andretti shows up they are going to get so much money from gm and andretti to just have Colton hair to start testing that car. So like that's immediate, like, Oh, this is a monetary consideration. Uh, also Renault Alpine, they're the engine suppliers. They're the prospective engine suppliers. So it's truly like for sure. The two, the two teams who are on board quite literally have a financial stake in this that will like accelerate or not accelerate. It will decelerate whatever dilution may happen. If there is, an additional team that shows up. They'll already have money in the bank because that team showed up. So they won't have to suffer three, four, five years in once Andretti Motorsports or Cadillac or whatever version of that company starts to actually carve out uh, the the winnings from the, the Constructors' Championship. So it's a, it's a dicey situation. There's also the fact that they want a manufacturer in. That's why they're so on board. That, yeah. F1 and uh, why F1 has literally announced this, why they have no problem showcasing that like Audi's going to show up and be Sauber's yep. engine manufacturer because it's like that idea of like so many of these teams, if you look at the history of F1, if you look at the development race, these teams push each other. And when technology emerges, it can then help out the other team if they do their own version of it. If mm-hmm. you're not adding GM as an actual manufacturer, especially since there's no guarantee that they would be an actual manufacturer, yep. it's still just kind of a Cadillac badged Renault engine. You're not mm-hmm. expanding the pool of development. You're not bringing new ideas into this sport that is so dependent on new ideas and like revolutions in technology and development. So 
it's there there are a bunch of different reasons why I do agree with these other eight teams who are like, uh, I don't I don't know about this right now. This doesn't mm-hmm. this doesn't make a lot of sense for us to do this. Sure, more eyes, but like more eyes are gonna end up on F one no matter what, whether or not we have Andretti. There's also that whole idea of like any publicity is good publicity. So even if they don't let Andretti Motorsport into F1, people will watch F1 because they're like, well, if this was such a big deal and like Cadillac was looking to get involved, like I should know what this is then. So F1 stands to win out no matter what happens. These other eight teams stand to win out no matter what happens. And Mm -hmm. them making a big stink out of Andretti and Cadillac showing up is somewhat warranted, but also very greedy. And they're going to win no matter what. So like, there's more greed involved, I think, than like principle. I do still, I do still believe though. There's a much bigger upside with a very American centric team that ascends with the sport ascending yes. in popularity in the United States. Yes, and I think it it really could have a big, long lasting impact on the sport that improves mm. things for every manufacturer. Not in 2023, but by 2026 could be yep could be huge. Now, all right, I've got another thought or another theory that I want to float past you. We talked about everyone's being rubbed the wrong way because they're going through this process so publicly, mm-hmm. and they've expressed that they're not pleased with that. And I do think I do. There is part of me that still thinks it's a very ballsy move for these teams to say. This huge brand, you know, uh, and and enormous opportunity. Screw them. Do you think that there is a lot more serious potential new teams that aren't publicly known about that the teams are aware of and that are going through this process? And maybe some of them are saying, yeah, and we will be manufacturing our own engine and mm-hmm. we will, you know do this or that or whatnot because nobody's no i i i believe that nobody's gonna show up to the table with uh 700 million dollars to probably not to 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 play like that just to me that's well so here's the that seems like not financially viable for for anyone uh to, to do that but there are so there are two teams that I think have been quietly kind of working towards this, uh, mm-hmm. and one of them is uh, Pantera. So that's the that's a, a, a Chinese venture capitalist uh, runs this company Pantera, and they apparently have been negotiating quietly for a long time to try to get into F one. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's a team, especially because Andretti did pop up. That's the only, that's the first time I heard about Pantera was like, oh, and there's this other team that has been trying to do kind of the same thing as Andretti and been trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to like partner with a manufacturer. And because that's a Chinese venture capitalist, uh, much like uh, when we had, uh, who was it? Pastor Maldonado from, uh, what was that? Who was from Venezuela? Uh, or no, who's, someone came in from uh not it wasn't even sergio it was like someone else who showed up from like a south american country who was like who had like a ton of like sponsorship from like the government and I, oh yeah 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 i'm completely blanking but i know I what you're yeah, talking about yeah. yeah 
but I, I can't remember. Which also dried up real fast. Which yeah. dried, I mean, yeah. Oh, we'll look at what happened with Venezuela. We don't need to get into like political discussions, but like it didn't really work out for yeah. that. Uh, but I think that the a Chinese venture capitalist could potentially bring in actual Chinese government money and who holds the note on all of U.S. debt. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not, I think that like China could show up and just pump a team like Pantera full of money and fully develop uh, using someone who is a Chinese manufacturer. Uh, they can just pump out a bunch of production cars because they control the means of production in that country. So it's like they can kind of set a system up where they can bring in a team, I think, and it would be great because that's also a huge consumer market and they're trying mm -hmm. to bring the chinese grand prix back uh they have uh zhou guan yu on the grid already they could bring up other development drivers within like these like chinese junior driver programs right like there's i think mm -hmm. that there's a lot that could show up from pantera I, I think that they'll keep it quiet until they really have like a good idea but i think that they're a big they're a prospect uh and then also hyundai Hyundai is yeah. the other one. I mean, they just brought in Cyril Abitable to their WRC. To be to the team principal for their, yeah, for, for WRC. And uh, I think there's a lot of speculation that that's almost like a, a cover story yeah. for what what he's there to actually do, you know, formerly being the the head of Renault Formula One. And yeah. then going to, going to WRC is, uh, it's a, uh, it's a step down. WRC, cool as hell. A lot Very of fun. Cool. Lot of and we've and we've seen actually uh, particularly drivers mm -hmm. who've been really happy to go from Formula One to WRC. But uh, a team principal it seems a little seems a little strange to me. Yeah, but I mean that's another. So I think that Pantera and Hyundai are like the two other manufacturers uh, or the two other companies that could potentially show up. Uh, and be kind of competing for either the 11th and 12th spots as teams in F1 or potentially the 12th spot if Andretti gets in. I think that mm -hmm. once once that 11th team has entered into F1, we're going to see a ton of people scrambling to try to get into uh, into F1 to kind of lock down that last spot. Like Porsche would probably yep. be like, hey, 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 well, uh, well yeah, uh, whatever. What, Red Bull, you want to like run 50% of like Porsche F1? Sure, go for it. Um, like they will figure out a way. All these companies who have like flirted with the idea will then, I think, fully start to be like, we need to, we need to get into the sport. There's only one slot left. Um, so I think, yeah. Hyundai, Pantera are the top runners, but there could be bunches of others. There could be. Yep. Uh, so last thing I want to talk about is this thing that they're doing with qualifying. So uh, they're they're yeah. Tell, tell me about this. What yeah. what, What's this all about? Uh, so they're looking to do this at it looks like two events, two race events in 2023. They're going to change the qualifying format of this. Uh, this will not happen at the sprint races because sprint races are their own thing and they're also mm -hmm. doing something with the sprint races which i'll talk about in a second so there's the the idea of changing the qualifying format and forcing the teams to this is apparently the only change that has been like officially talked about which would be forcing the teams to in qualifying session one use a hard tire qualifying session two a medium tire qualifying session three a soft tire. so I'm not hmm. sure what this does other than kind of 
shakes up the tire allocation. Uh, but it's been discussed before, and I think we may have mentioned it once or twice on the podcast. But the idea of like, yeah, maybe it would be better to like mandate all three compounds within a race, all three dry compounds within a race, like that would be mm-hmm. better than saying like you can only race one compound it should be maybe like an equalizer would be like all three compounds so maybe that's what they're kind of checking out to see if they can kind of make tire use a little bit more equitable going into the grand prix itself uh because you'd be forced to use hard tires you'd be forced to use medium tires and forced to use one set of softs so that's i don't know what what do you think about that john what what are your what are your thoughts it's it's interesting. I I still you know, uh, I'm I'm trying to make sense of it, mm-hmm. and I think there's a logic there. But I think once you start getting into like mandating this sort of thing, yeah. uh, my mind goes to like, well, if you're gonna force them to do something, then it should be that Q3 everyone has to race with uh, McDonald's lunch trays glued exactly. to their rear tires. You yeah. know, like it should be. It should be something really wild. It should be, you yeah. know, everybody has to drive uh, with the e-brake locked on. Or, uh, every driver okay. has to wear like those inflatable T-Rex suits um, yep. Yep, uh, yep, while, yep. while in, the, in the cockpit. Yeah, just a- anything to just be like, yeah, let's see how we can sandbag someone. Uh, there mm-hmm. is, yeah, there is that opening of Pandora's box. Uh, and then if you, if we just, I, I don't want to talk about it because one, I've, quite literally repressed the memory of this job like i was i thought about this long and hard earlier today that what did they do when they changed qualifying the last time that was like laughable i mean this is like 2017 i think that they changed it and i like can't remember what they did like it all i remember was that like most of the cars just sat in the garages for the entire qualifying session yeah do you remember what it was uh, I forget what it was, but that, I, I mean, that was also even before then was sort of that starting. All right. All right. So, okay. Mm. This is, and sorry, what you're now, uh, unpacking for me is what this obviously <laughs> yeah. is intended to do. This, this thing is intended to get the cars lapping and lapping and lapping through the whole qualifying session because the qualifying yeah. sessions pretty quickly became this joke around the you know, the last decade where it was just understood that like, cool, you go out, you set, you know, in Q in Q1, you set a bank lap and then you set a fast lap and you spend the rest of the session in the garage. Yeah. And Q Q2, you kind of do the same thing. And, and Q1, uh, you, you have a, a similar version of it, but it's a, you know, shorter period. So there's less garage time, but yeah, that like, qualifying has become this thing of like the announcers better get really good at filling time because the track's going to be stone cold until everybody decides that it's like, you know, just the right time. And that's why those, you know, qualifying with changing weather conditions is always really exciting because everybody's, you know, oh crap, we got to get out there and make sure we set a lap in case the conditions get worse and then mm-hmm. be ready to set another lap if the conditions improve and, and whatnot and everybody's staying on top of it. Um, but yeah, the this sort of like putting your your tires in the bank and just saving them mm-hmm. and and sitting in the garage is is kind of a just a, a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. So that 
also I think this kind of went away the idea of like them like not using tire blankets anymore like they're they're mm-hmm. still going to be tire blankets they're just going to be not used as as aggressively or something i I can't remember what was ultimately Mm -hmm. settled on but like everyone was like yeah we need to get rid of tire blankets we need to make it like the great equalizer and like all the teams were like no (laughs) no no we're not doing that and pirelli was like Mm -hmm. well yeah okay 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 so what if we like lower the temperature of the tire blankets a little bit and they were like yeah sure we can do that they're like uh okay well that doesn't really that doesn't really eliminate anything uh so the other thing that I wanted to talk about that is a potential shift is what they're doing with DRS at the races. Uh, so yeah, what's going on here? It was floated that they were going to do a reverse DRS thing and like active right, aerodynamic right, right. stuff. That's not happening, apparently. Um, that is not what was being, not that it wasn't being discussed, but it wasn't like the most important thing that they wanted to to focus on. So what they're doing mm-hmm. with DRS here is at the uh, at all six of the sprint events. I believe it's going to be during the sprint races themselves that they'll be piloting this, but they're going to trigger DRS one lap earlier. So instead of having to complete, uh, I think it's two full laps, and then on the third lap mm-hmm. is when DRS is activated. I think what they're doing is you just have to complete one full lap, and then on the second lap is when DRS becomes active. Uh, this, I'm on, I, I'm perfectly happy with this this doesn't seem like a problem Mm -hmm. to me it seems like it will make the the these 10 second gaps that that are being uh, created by the leaders and then you'll see like the gap from like fourth to fifth or the gap from like fifth to sixth is like 15 seconds by like the fourth lap Mm -hmm. i think that that will go away and i think that it will allow the cars to remain kind of bunched up and jockeying for position uh, and it's one of the reasons they're doing it at the sprint races because they don't want to, these sprint races are short, so they don't want to spend like almost an eighth of the race uh, without one of the things that will make the race more competitive. Like the point of the whole thing is to make the entire weekend more competitive with more track action. So mm-hmm. eliminating one lap that you are not allowed to use DRS. And this is all weather dependent, right? Of course, if they yeah. have wet tires or if it's unsafe, then they're not going to just immediately activate DRS two laps into the race. But I mean, I'm I'm here for it, considering yeah. that the you know, the logic behind not allowing DRS in that second lap is that like it could kind of create too much chaos. <laughs> you yeah. know, it could just it's like we we want, uh, there's there's already yes. going to be a lot going on in yeah. theory in that moment. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I say bring bring a little extra chaos into the mix. Why not? Yeah, I agree. And uh, so that that's the idea with that one specifically is like they are doing that at all six sprint uh, races. They are maybe doing it in the actual races themselves. I don't know uh, the actual Grand Prix, but they are certainly doing them in the sprint races to make that more competitive. Uh, and then depending on what that looks like, they may roll that out for every Grand Prix going forward in 2024. So they're going to look mm. at that data and look at how competitive these sprints were versus non-sprint weekends. And I'm guessing probably look at like, what were the races where we enabled DRS uh, at this time? Yeah. And what were what what did they look like? Like, what was the data and the telemetry of the cars during those first laps? Were they like bunching up and being competitive and creating, like you said, that 
beautiful chaos that we look for? Uh, or is it just kind of all the same and these cars are going to do this no matter what? Uh, either way, I think it's great because they're probably going to just go like, yeah, we'll just enable DRS on the second lap if the weather's fine, regardless of what mm-hmm. it looks like. Um, anything to anything to make those first few laps more competitive, I say, let's go. Uh, I have no problem with that. Um, but yeah, those are the things that kind of like popped up that were a little more on the technical side versus like what we're seeing or hearing in the media and seeing like, oh, wow, we've got people wearing different color clothes. Um, yep. Uh, any- All right. So, yeah, I mean, th- I think that's that is a, a surprisingly robust week mm-hmm. in the off season. Yeah. Again, uh, looking again. at looking ahead, yeah, looking ahead, I think we're going to continue to see more of this Andretti saga uh, unfolding, yeah. unfurling, battling yeah. away. Unfortunately uh, or we, fortunately, I, yeah. I don't, I don't mind it. Um, I don't love, I don't love that this is like exposing how ugly uh, we are here in the u.s with like the way that we mm-hmm. approach social interactions like i don't love that uh that it's being like underscored like more and more pictures are coming out of like christian horner kind of like looking away as uh as andretti is like f- flagging him down with this uh mm-hmm. this piece of paper or like toto kind of like furrowed brow skeptically looking at him like i don't love that but yeah anything to keep that machine going anything to keep the idea of like we may get an f1 team from the u.s on the grid and it might be what we've seen it might be what we're asking for um we might be getting what we're asking for that's yep definitely that's what i mean for for at. sure i i you know i will be disappointed if uh they aren't showing up with you know someone trying to bring a a Budweiser onto the podium or, or something like that, you know, like it's, that's, uh, yeah. that's what I'm, that's what I'm here for. I think that, again, I think it's all, I think it's all good for the sport. It's more like diversity and you yeah. Know, some yeah. slightly different points of view. And I think ultimately contributes to the sport being more global, more, more engaging you know, of a Olympic caliber yeah. motorsport, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so just the, a couple more things here. Um, we have uh, the 2023 launch dates are looking more mm-hmm. and more solid. Uh, so we've got Alpha Tower on the 11th, uh, Aston Martin uh, and McLaren on the 13th. We've got uh, the, what is it, the 14th for Ferrari. Uh, is it the 15th for Mercedes is when they're, they're I believe so. their challenger? Yeah. Uh, and then we've got the 16th for Alpine. Uh, Red Bull hasn't announced yet. Um, and I think that we're obviously waiting for, like, I don't think that Williams would have announced without having a team principal in place. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, uh, we're still waiting on Haas and uh, Sauber slash Audi uh, to, to get their butts in gear. But Red Bull almost certainly will be announcing within the next few days. Um, so. Yep. We'll we'll see, and I mean, yeah, less less than a month away, we'll be seeing some some cars revealed. So the yeah. uh, the season will be off and running before we know it. Mm-hmm. And then a little more than a month away, we get that Drive to Survive season five, baby. We get it. That's right. That's the, right. That's the twenty fifth right. of February is when that thing drops, uh, and we've got our our 
our world champion, Max Verstappen, uh, that was part of the promo for that, is he is being interviewed. He was interviewed. He was engaged with Drive to Survive this mm. year. So very interested to see who he is versus who he was on Drive to Survive, uh, if his attitude has changed at all. And then also oh, to man. see what what that episode between him and Sergio at Brazil. I can't wait to see that stuff. Like I, I, I know I know we're we're advocates for the sport, John, but like this is what Drive to Survive was made for is the stuff that we just don't get a chance to see and that we are like scintillated by, which is like, yeah, let's see some drama. Let's see some drama between like drivers for sure. Let's see it. Um yeah, any anything else? Anything else pop up? There? Yes, yes. So I have I have a quick correction. Mm. Um, Red Red Bull have announced oh. their reveal date. It's going to be far and away the first at February third. Oh wow! Okay, okay. Red Bull have re- and buckle up. Red Bull have stated that this will be the biggest and most grand okay. Formula One car reveal. That has ever taken place. Okay, sure. And it's going to take place on February third in New York City. Okay, great. Are they going to drop it? So are they going to like drop it uh, off of a building or something like that? Like, what's happening? Uh, they, they yeah, I I can only imagine <laughs> that they're going to drive it at full speed. Uh, you know, up <laughs> the side of the the HBO building that yeah. the Silver Surfer flies up, right? <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh God, that's do you think almost that's, almost certain? Do you think that's going to be a livery reveal only, or do you think it's going to be an actual car reveal? Because last year, no, all we got I'm was sure. a livery reveal. So I'm we, yeah. sure it's a I'm sure it's a livery, mm-hmm. but I bet it's going to be a livery on like this season's car or a modified version of this season's car, yeah. and that they like rip donuts in Times Square or something like that. I'm, I. I'd be almost certain of it. If they're saying it's in New York, it's not going to be in like a film studio in New York. Like no, it's going to it's, be. Yeah, it'll be in it's, Times Square. It's, yeah. Yeah, it'll be it'll be in Times Square or some other, you know, ridiculous location of of some kind. Or maybe and, they'll uh, blast you know, out of the Lincoln Tunnel and then head straight into Brooklyn right. and just like fly down Canal Street. Uh, yep. Honestly, if that's what they're going to do, go for it. Um, yeah, I mean, if that's what they're going to do, I, I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, make it a little trek into the city to yeah, see, very jealous. Uh, very jealous job. See, see something like that unfold. <sighs> uh, and then the, the AlphaTauri, I think is also going to be revealed in New York, but later on. Right. So, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, the, it's, it's again, you know, we, we do talk about how it, the United States cringiness is starting to show up in certain areas and and whatnot but red bull is going to be here to remind us that they bring their own brand of cringe to this stuff by far and away the trendsetters for cringe so yeah we'll Mm -hmm. we'll see we'll see maybe the cringiest thing possible um so what do you think johnny do you think that our stock went up this week here in the u.s for formula one yeah, drama, controversy, mm-hmm. United States versus Europe, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, sure, right on. Mm-hmm. Uh stock stock is going up. What it, what do you think, Corey? I think it's uh it's gone up significantly and it will continue to go up. Uh I think the drive to survive announcement was crucial to uh, a rise in the stock. 
mm-hmm. and then also uh the last little bit of like lewis returning from antarctica uh to like negotiate his multi-year contract is like a pretty big uh a pretty big deal uh it's not a big deal but it's it's gonna be you know it's gonna be a major announcement and he's the <sighs> biggest star in the world when it comes to f1 so Mm-hmm. his announcement of like, I'm heading back to the UK to negotiate my contract is like, okay, cool, cool. So the year really has like, it's, it, we're off to a good start. I think we're off to a very strong start and uh, I can only see this stock getting, going higher and higher. Um, it's not mm-hmm. moonshotting like it was last week, but it definitely is like still on the rise and will continue to be on the rise. Yep. <sighs> All right, John, where can the folks find you out there in the world? Uh, you can always track me down via johnnymotion.com, and you can read a little more about what I'm up to. And if you'd like to hear a little more in detail, uh, mm-hmm. this past week, I was a guest on the Rev Thinking podcast talking about the current state of design and, and what's happening in the complex uh, technology-based design industries as a whole bunch of turbulent things unfold and how we're going to be positioning ourselves for the next decade or so. So uh, super geeky stuff, but gets gets pretty deep, gets mm-hmm. pretty, pretty fun. Mm. Corey, where can the folks find you? Uh, they can track me down as Burn Corey Burn on the internet on all the social media platforms. You can also grab uh, our attention with a follow to the F1 files on Twitter or TikTok. Uh, Instagram is a ghost town and remains such, but I'll probably try and post some stuff there, probably. I say probably. Uh, also, uh, we, we fell off of this train, but I'm getting back onto it, and I'm dragging you along with me. Let's get some ratings and some reviews and some new subscribers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see our fan base is slowly but surely ticking up, uh, and we love to we love to see new new folks listening to our stupidness every week. So uh, tell your friends, uh, share it, and. Uh, what do you think? Do you think that we'll catch up with them the next time, Johnny? The next time on the F1 files? That was slick. <laughs> that was slick. <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah.